knowing if his other brides were fair or ugly, though if they looked like the lasses. She drew a sharp breath when Bibiana crossed the room and pinched her into silence, hard enough to bruise, her nails biting into the old woman's skin. Tarza knew better than to show fear or pain, but Bibiana saw her lips tighten and felt a moment's elation. Perhaps if you selected the jewels first, it would make the choice easier, Tarza said, humbled. The rubies are magnificent, and they make your hair shine like spun gold. Whatever you wear, you will be the most beautiful. Bibiana drifted back to the mirror. She opened her robe and noted that her breasts were flawless, plump and firm and high as a young girl's. She could hold her own with any bonny lass, or even a whole roomful of them. Pink after all, perhaps, with pearls. Something fresh and youthful, something innocent and sweet. In the mirror she saw the frown deepen the creases between Terza's eyes. I am still sweet, am I not? Youthful? Terza nodded at once. Of course. The laird is in love with you. You could wear anything or nothing. Bibiana smoothed a hand over her flat, naked belly. He wants a son. Terza stifled a laugh. Bibiana sent her a sharp look and opened the jewel chest. The glitter of her treasures, the gifts of a legion of lovers and twelve adoring husbands, never failed to stop her breath. She ran her fingertips reverently over the gems. They were perfection, their sparkle unchanging, powerful, eternal, beautiful. She picked up a rare and flawless pink sapphire and watched it sparkle in the light, flirting with her, luring her. Terza clasped her hands together. Don't wear pink, Bibiana. That's a colour for untried lasses. I dare say all Dono's daughters will wear pink. Shall I fetch the gold silk with the silver petticoat? You shall be like the sun and the moon, all richness and glow. Bibiana dropped the sapphire and pulled out a magnificent diamond necklace. The stones caught the light, exploded it, cast it against the walls in shards of every colour. The red of her lips, the dark blue of her eyes, the pure gold of her hair. Yes, she said slowly, the gold silk, it will dazzle them. Tarza folded her arms over her chest. Them or him? Bibiana turned back to the mirror and fastened the diamonds around her neck. All of them, she said, looking at her reflection. Satisfaction made her purr. She crossed to pour another goblet full of the dark brew and sipped. It had cooled and was less pleasant, less vibrant as it slipped down her throat. What is this? she demanded. Terza was working the creases out of the golden gown, running the shining fabric through her gnarled fingers. Swallow's blood. There are no larks this far north. Your hunter said it isn't the season for them here. They call him the Chilakid here, by the way. The Gallic word for huntsman was awkward on Terza's foreign tongue. Bibiana poured the contents of the cup into the chamber pot. Then have him bring doves or young owls. The mirror drew her again. She was naked, 
save for the diamonds and the ring, an ancient crystal that absorbed and reflected the light. She never took it off. She made a pretty picture indeed, and an enticing one. She smoothed a hand over the firm globes of her breasts, which were tipped with nipples as red and ripe as new summer berries, and anticipated the wedding night. Would there be pleasure? Would she love this man at last, or would he bore her like the rest? He wanted a son, and that she would not give him. She was far beyond an age to bear children, though he'd never know. Terza would feed him with herbs and brews to stoke his passion and blind him to all but lust. Bibiana would ride him, exhaust him, and discard him. And when she was done, all he had would be hers. She'd heard he was one of the most powerful men in Scotland, but his daughters drew her here, and what she really...